Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. I am glad to be here. I'm glad to be speaking with, with y'all. How are we doing? How's, how's the room feeling? How's everything? Good? Good? We good? Great! <laughs> Thank you, Diana. So I'm stoked because I'm going to be talking about slaying the giant of depression. Okay, that is what I'm going to be talking about. And after I'm done with this message, you're going to be so filled with hope that you are going to be so happy. You're, you're going to have grins on your face. You're going to be so happy. <laughs> you're going to be so filled with hope. <laughs> so filled. Right, Pat? Right. So I'm really glad to be talking about this because this is something that I have such a victory in and that I walked through to slay this giant and to battle depression and really win against it. Um, so I'm really happy to be talking about this. I'm going to be telling you a lot about my own story and my testimony and um, what, what happened, what happened in my life and how God used, how God just gave me weapons and tools to fight this giant and how to overcome it. And I believe that you guys are going to get those same tools and you guys are going to walk away with something to hold on to, you know, a hope to, to battle, not just depression, but anxiety, anything, any, any mental illness, any, any giant that you're facing. Because the tools and the weapons that I'm going to give you, they're across the board and they can be used for any type of giant, to conquer any type of giant. We all face different types of giants in our lives that oppose us and try to defeat us in life, uh, whether they get in the way of our ministry, of our calling, of our relationships, of our jobs. Well, Vivian did an awesome job talking about overcoming anxiety. Yeah, Viv, what? I'm going to give you tools to slay the giant of depression in your life. Everyone say, depression's going down. That's right, that's right, yeah. So I think we all know what depression is. We felt it at one point or another in our life, right? So let me just identify the enemy a little more. Depression is an extremely widespread condition or illness that affects over 300 million people across the world, regardless of culture, race, gender, religion, economic status, whatever. It affects people across the globe. This is crazy. Depression is the primary reason why someone dies of suicide about every 12 minutes. Over 41,000 people a year. <clears throat> people are committing suicide due to depression. I'm going to start my timer. Give me a sec. Bear with me. Yay. Depression has a number of causes. Abuse, social conflicts, death or loss, stress, social isolation, even genetics. I think we can all agree that depression is a huge problem in our life, a huge problem in the world, affecting people all across the globe. But the good news is, the good news is that we are not subject to that. We don't have to be. The Bible says we're a new creation in Christ. We don't have to be subject to the ways of the world. We don't have to live in con uh, letting depression control us, living in fear of depression. We don't have to live under the reins and the dominion of depression, according to the Bible at least. That's what God says about you. That's what God says about our lives. If you're a born-again believer, God has given you the power to conquer depression in your life, period. To conquer depression and any giant. To slay any stronghold, any giant, anything, anything opposing you, coming against you, God has given you the power to overcome. And I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you can kill, that you or anyone else can kill depression in your life because I did in mine. And that's what I'm going to tell you about. 
For me, depression runs in my family, affects a number of my family members. Uh, my uncle actually committed suicide from depression. My family members, a lot of them battle it. Uh, a lot of them take medication for it. I was diagnosed with clinical depression when I was 16. And about 16 or 17, I started taking antidepressants because I was so miserable, I hated my life. Anyone would take meds if that. As I got older, I didn't really have anything to live for, so I started doing drugs, I started rebelling, and cheated my way through school, hung out with people that were making less than ideal choices, and that whole story, and it wasn't good. I was angry, and the more I did drugs, the more I was rebellious, <laughs> the more I listened to Tupac and gangster rap, the more I hated the world, the more I hated my life. And yeah, I just name-bombed all those, I'm just saying, it has an influence over you. The more I did these things, the more I hated my life, the more anxious I was, the more angry I was, the more I felt like I didn't have a future, I didn't have a hope. I think a lot of us have been there. But God had his eye on me the whole time. God, as I look back, I see the, the points where God, uh, I see God's hand in my past, where he was trying to intervene and he was trying to speak to me and he was trying to get me. He had his eye on me. He had... He was watching me the whole time, the timeline of Joel's life, all these years that I was depressed, all these years that I was angry, he was watching me the whole time, and he, was, he had a plan for me the whole time. And I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't know it. I wasn't living for it. But in 2010, I gave my life to the Lord, began to learn more about the hope that Christ offers, right? I began to learn more about God and learn more about my purpose on the earth and, and that I actually have a future, that I actually have a destiny. I eventually stopped doing drugs, started reading the Bible regularly, ended up going to church regularly. I got some clean Christian friends that were sober. Hallelujah. Yep. Um, but I noticed that even my life was getting better. I was, um, I stopped doing drugs. I was sober and things were looking better, but I was still depressed. I still was in the, the, the grips of depression and it still reigned in my life in a powerful way. And I knew that I, I like, I had to fight it even more aggressively. I had to conquer it. I had to go after it head first, head on. I started going to Summit in 2014 and met Taylor Jensen and Dominic Groves. These men, <clears throat> little did I know, these men along with a few others would be the men that pulled me from the grip of depression and pulled me from the darkness that I was living in and set me free and gave me a whole, helped set me free and give me a whole new hope in life and reason that I'm alive. It was so vital. It was so vital that I had you guys, man. It was so vital that I had people like you guys to help, me, to help set me free. And it was in this season of life that I discovered the weapons that I would use to conquer depression once and for all. I knew that I needed community. Like, I would, I would come to church and everything, but I knew I needed more of it because I, I still lived at home. My house wasn't the most healthy environment. I needed to be here as much as I could. So I did everything I could to dive into community. Even though I worked full-time and lived 30 minutes away down near Poway, down south, um, I, drove to, I drove to Summit, I drove to San Marcos four times a week to make sure that I was getting around these people, to getting in this environment of life. I was at church on Sunday mornings, I was at Crux on Thursdays, I was at prayer meetings on Wednesday nights, and I was at Bible studies on Monday mornings. I did everything I could getting up early, driving to Denny's at 6 a.m. just to get fed the word and to get prophesied over so that I could actually have hope for the next two days. It was, it was bad, man, but oh, it was so, uh, I'm so thankful that I did that. I stuck myself in community. I met up with Taylor and Dom frequently, and they continue 
they continuously spoke hope and truth into my life. Meeting up with the mentors, meeting up with these counselors, continually, continually encouraging me and, and telling me the truth, telling me that there's more to live for, telling me that there's a hope, giving me hope. I filled myself with the word of God more than I ever did before. I was reading my Bible constantly. I would spend so many, I would spend hours in front of my mirror confessing truth over myself. That I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That I am a new creation in Christ. That God has plans to prosper me and plans to not to harm me, plans to give me hope in a future. All these things, I was declaring scripture over my life over and over and over. I filled myself with the word more than ever. And I also wanted to get off the antidepressants I was taking because I knew God could heal my brain and I knew they weren't working for me. I was, I, I was a mess. I was a mess where I was and nothing was helping. But I did notice that it would help when I would meet with people, when I would stick myself in community and declare this truth and read the Bible and do these things. So one morning, and I had been praying to God a lot about it, but one morning God told me to get off the antidepressants. He said, now's the time. Stop taking them. So I did. Of course, I met up with my doctor. I got his advice. I got, you know, I talked to him. I said, hey, I'm getting off these things. And of course, he discouraged me. He said, you'll always have depression. This is not a good idea, but... You know, I can give you lower doses if you want. <clears throat> um, you know, I don't recommend it. And I just said, I know, I'm doing it anyway. I, I need you to give me lower doses. I'm waiting off this. Because I did, because God told me, and I knew God spoke to me. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get off these. <clears throat> so I did. I weaned off them. And it was a rough road. It was rocky, but I made it. And I met up with, with mentors and community even more in that time. And I just want to be clear about that as well, that I'm not saying taking medication is bad. I'm not saying medication is bad at all. Ultimately, listen to God. God, If God tells you to take medication, take meds. If he tells you not to, then don't. Or if he tells you, you know, to get off him. Ultimately, for me, God spoke to me personally and said, he gave me the green light. He gave me the permission to get off him. So I did. And over time, over time, I would just watched as I would continue doing this, continue in prayer, continue coming to church, continue worshiping God, continue all these things, I watched as hopelessness and sorrow just faded away. I watched it get smaller and smaller, which had never happened, no matter how strong of a dose I was on, no matter what I did, no matter how many therapists I talked to. The supernatural life that was in this environment when I would come to church, when I would meet up with Taylor and Dom, when I would go to prayer meetings, when I would do all these things, that life that Jesus promised, I was being filled with. And I watched the work of the devil shrink and fade away in my life. I watched the, the depression. I watched all this stuff disappear. It was incredible. <clears throat> I was laughing more. I was more hopeful in my days. I was actually enjoying my life. I actually had, I had joy in my life again. Um, and today, it really boggles me to, it, it's mind-boggling and it's crazy to think that I am that same person on the timeline of my life that I was that person who was, you know, self, I had such a self-hatred and I hated the world and I was so depressed because today you guys know me. I'm the goofy guy who's dancing and talking in weird accents and acting crazy all over the place. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't take myself seriously. Like I'm lighthearted. I, it's just different now. And it, and it trips me out to think that that I was that same person, that, that God brought me through that, and here I am on this end, you know? And it's just, I don't say all this to boast about my, 
life and to tell you that I'm all great, but to testify of the power of God that's available to you. The power of God that's available to you when you choose to fight the battle with God. When you choose to face the giant head on and, and partner with God and do what he says and take that thing down once and for all. The giant that crept into my genetics, the giant that afflicted my family members, the giant that killed my uncle, I watched fall on its back and die in my life. I watched that same giant die. That's something to get happy about. That's something to praise God about. I watched that thing die. It it was a fight. I'm not going to lie. It was a fight and it was hard. But for this, this freedom I'm in now, like, there's no, there's no price. There's no cost you would pay for this. That's, that's peanuts. That's pennies. That's nothing. That's nothing compared to what the life that I'm living in now is all about and, and how it is and the freedom that I have now. I don't believe how things are now because of the fact that I chose to partner with God and fight. Because I did that. And again, guys, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn or, or this and that to talk about myself all the time, but I'm just testifying of... There's no giant you can't defeat. There's not. Anything is possible with God. And that's what you guys need to hear. That's what you guys need to know. Open your minds a little and know that anything is possible with God. The impossibilities you think exist in your life are really opportunities and they're permissions granted for for God to pave a way to make it possible and to help you get to the other side. It's possible. You can do anything. You can do all things through Christ. Now, I have the keys to victory that God gave me, and I'm passing them on to you. And these are old. They may sound cliche. You've heard them all before. But regardless of how you think about it, these are effective weapons that will slay any giant in your life and in your path. I'm telling you. These things will conquer and will knock down any giant, any devil, trying to oppose you and beat you down and keep you keep you in a place of depression and darkness. The reason why I tell you all that in this is because I believe Revelation 19.10 that says, what does it say? (laughs) The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. (laughs) That's what it says. I knew that. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All that means is that by you hearing the testimony of what Jesus did in my life, it grants you the permission to obtain that same victory of yours. It's permission granted for you. It's the spirit of prophecy. That's what, that's what that verse, that promise means. So I'm going to share with you these weapons. Real practically, how to overcome depression, number one, you don't fight alone. You will get taken out and you will die if you try to fight alone. That's why you've got to surround yourself in godly community. Fight this battle surrounded with community. Fight this battle. Meet up with your mentors. Meet up with people who love you, people who call you higher, people who can speak into your life. Meet up with them and, uh, and, and do it with them. Proverbs 11:14 says where there is no counsel the people fall but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. I knew that there was safety when I was around Taylor and Dom and when I was just <laughs> I was telling them how confused and frustrated I was and it was just it was rough man but looking back I am so thankful that I that I had mentors in my life that I that I sought out these mentors, and then I asked them questions, and I came with a list of questions to ask them, and I was constantly putting myself in the place of safety because that, was, that would give me life. That was the place that would give me life later. When I was in the roughest stage of depression going through it, 
I'm so thankful that I had community and counselors. I would meet up with them, like I said, vent all my frustration and confusion, but I would take their words to heart. I wouldn't, you know what I mean? I wouldn't just let them talk at me and, and not listen to anything they're saying or, or implement what they're, the advice they gave me. I really took their words to heart and I did it. I practiced it. Like, I needed freedom. I don't have time to be screwing around and not listen and take their advice. I need to get free ASAP. So I did. I took their advice. Deuteronomy 32.30 says, One can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. God's literally saying, you add one more person to the battle, and you suddenly become ten times stronger. How does that work? I don't know. It just does. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. The idea here is that in community, you are exponentially stronger. In community, you are exponentially stronger beyond your wildest dreams. Beyond, uh, you are so much stronger, so much more stable and secure when you're surrounded in community. Don't fight alone. Number two, fill your heart with truth. It's only when we begin to pick up our Bibles, open it, read it, gaze into the face of truth, that we begin to see the world with renewed hope and see our life with renewed hope and see God with renewed hope, see our future with renewed hope. Read what God says and choose to believe what he says about you. I don't care what you feel. I mean, I do, but in those moments, it really doesn't matter because you gotta fight and you gotta choose to believe what God says about you because it's true. And if you do, you'll be so thankful you did and you will obtain more hope. You will obtain more joy. You will get the freedom and the breakthrough you long for. Romans 8.28 says that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That God's making everything work together for good in your life, regardless of what it is. Psalm 3.3 says, but you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. That God is the only one who can lift you up out of the depression, who can who can take your chin and lift your head above the waves and the clouds so that you can see clearly and you can actually see the life he gave you. And you can actually see things the way he wants you to see them. He's the one who does that. And we need to speak the word of God to ourselves. Like I, spoke, like I said earlier, I relentlessly spoke to myself. I continued to declare these scriptures and truths to myself in the mirror, believing, renewing my mind with this, washing my brain with the water of the word. Psalm 42, I like this, I love this. Psalm 42, verse 5, King David speaks to his own soul. He's going through a really rough time, and he says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you disquieted? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He's talking to himself. This is crazy in our modern day. He's talking to himself. He says, Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. And if you read Psalm 42, it's a psalm of him in, de in he's depressed. He's going through, he's despairing. He's saying, My tears have been my food day and night. I long for the days when I could walk with the procession of God and go and worship him. Where is my God? They say to you, where is your God? And he stops. He stops all that, and he looks to himself, and he says, my soul, put your hope in God. What are you doing? What are you doing? Put your hope in God. We have to remind ourselves. We have to remind ourselves of the truth because our brains will get funky at times. We, go, we, we get crazy. We get crazy in our heads, but we have to remind ourselves of what the truth is, what God says about us. Your hope is God, no one else, nothing else. He always has been the hope. He always has been the victory. Proverbs 18, 21 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And David knew this. King David and David knew this. 
He spoke life over himself when he was depressed, and so did I. Psalm verse, no, Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3 says, Blessed is the man who meditates on God's law day and night. He will prosper in all he does. And that word meditate is the word hagah, which means to mutter. It's translated as to mutter, to speak. So God is literally saying, if day and night throughout your life, if you mutter, if you speak God's truth to yourself, you will prosper in all you do. If you speak the promises to yourself, if you constantly, there's something profound that happens when we, when we are speaking and our own, hear, our own ears hear what we're saying. We believe what we hear ourselves say. Psychologists will tell you that. You will, believe, you will believe what you hear yourself say. And God is literally saying, day and night, wherever you are, speak my word to yourself. Mutter, hagah, meditate on his word day and night. And he says, those who do so are blessed. They'll prosper in all they do. That's what I did. Number three, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Martin Luther said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is our breath of fresh air. Prayer is what keeps us alive. It's the doorway to abundant life. And I prayed all the time when I was battling depression. When you come to God's presence and begin to pray, prayer was always meant to be an exchange. That's what I said earlier, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what Jesus said. When you come to God in prayer, there's a divine exchange that always happens, or at least it should always happen. That's available to you every time you pray. We come to God with our burdens. We come to God with our stress and our anxiety. He gives us his rest. He gives us his refreshment. He gives us what we need. He gives us joy and peace. He takes our doubt, our worry, and our insecurity. He gives us faith, confidence, and security. That's why when I would spend a long time in prayer, I would always leave that time, I would always leave the secret place feeling more like myself, if that makes sense. And I wouldn't, it would always, I wouldn't fully understand why, but every time I'd come after spending like an hour with God just talking to him, I'd be so, so confident, so comfortable and secure in myself and so much more hopeful and just at rest, so much more joyful, so much more at rest about, about my life. Number four, remember God's faithfulness. This is a huge one. <clears throat> In the midst of my depression, I had to force myself to remember how God gave me strength to overcome the things that he helped me overcome in the past. He, over, he helped me overcome drug addiction. He set me free supernaturally in two weeks. And I have to remember, I had to remember what God did for me in the past to have hope for the present and to have hope for what I'm walking through now. You have to remember God's faithfulness. You have to remember his promises to you. Yeah, Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. That he will begin or he will finish what he began. He will finish what he started in you. Deuteronomy 6.12 God speaks to the Israelites through Moses, and he said, he's basically helping them, um, reminding them to remember, and to remember what he's always done, to remember what he did in the past. God speaks to the Israelites through Moses and says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God is literally saying to them, 
through the whole time. Remember, guys, guys, remember what I did for you. Remember traveling through the wilderness. Remember how I delivered you from the hand of Pharaoh. Remember uh, the 40 years that you were traveling. Remember the pillar of fire that was always there in front of you, guiding you by night. The pillar of cloud that was always there by day, guiding you. He, uh, God is saying, I always provided for you. I always guided you. I was, the pillar never showed up, never disappeared. It was always there for you. I always guided you. God is saying, remember the manna that came down? Remember how you had fresh bread every morning? Remember that? Remember the water that came from the rock? Remember how you were, you were thirsty, you needed water, and I literally caused a stream of water to come from a rock? Remember? He wanted, he constantly wants us to remember. And that's, it's such a key. Oh man, it's such a key, and it, it it puts hope and courage back into us. I had to remember what God did in my life. I'd remember how he, how he helped me get free from a toxic relationship. I had to remember how just, just everything he did. And God constantly tells us, remember. That's why he would, he would tell his people to set up these memorials, these stones, these, these objects, these items, so that they could have something to pass by. They would pass by it and go, and they would tell the next generation about these as a form of remembrance. Remembering was such a key. <laughs> in 1 Samuel 17, it tells the story of David and Goliath. We know that story, right? <laughs> in the story, David's getting ready, getting ready to fight Goliath, and David's a teenager at the time. He's a teenager, he's coming to Goliath, and he's pumped, he's, like, he's ready to go, he's ready to fight him, and Saul, at the time, He's, he's going, you're crazy. You're, like, this, this, you're a teenager. He's, he's been a warrior from his youth. Saul says to him, you were not able to go out and fight against this Philistine. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But listen to what David says. David says to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has, def he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. He's literally saying in that moment, no, 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 Saul, Saul, you don't understand. Okay, the same God the same God that gave me the strength back then, I killed a lion and a bear. The same God that gave me the power to take the lion by its mane, hit it over the head, kill it, let it go, get the bear in a headlock, snap its neck, let it go. That same God that gave me victory, that, that gave me the power to kill the lion and the bear is the same God that's going to put the sling in my hand, put the stone in my hand, cock it back, release, cause that stone to fly across the air, hit that fat fool's head, <laughs> Put the stone in his forehead. Knock him down for that giant to never speak again. To never speak again. David is literally saying, no, no, no. You don't understand, Saul. The lion and the bear, they're dead. The lion and the bear are dead. This Philistine, uncircumcised freak monster is going to be just like them. <laughs> He's going to be just like them. David was confident in that moment. David was bold in that moment. You know why? Because he remembered. He remembered the faithfulness. He remembered the victories God gave him. He remembered what he walked through 
for him to have hope of what he's going to walk through. You can have confidence and boldness in the face of your enemy if you remember God's faithfulness, if you remember the victories he's given you in the past. And even if you haven't been delivered of some crazy predator and you haven't killed a baron or lion or you haven't overcome, or you haven't been free of drug addiction or anything like that, you can use the people in the Bible as references to, to look at and remember of how God rescued these people and that he'll do the same for you. Of what he did in the past, he will still do today. He will still do for us. Thank you, Lord. God is faithful always. Remember his faithfulness. Number five, don't stop until you win. Don't stop until you win. You will battle, you will fight, and I promise you if you don't stop, you will win, but you have to keep fighting. And that's the promise that God gave us. You have to be, years ago when I was meeting up with Pastor Taylor, he, he said this to me and I'll never forget it. And it just, you know how there are those certain statements or there are certain things that people say that once you hear them, it's like a stamp on your heart and you will never forget it. There are certain things, and that was one of them. He said, he said, Joel, you have to be stubborn against depression because depression is stubborn against you. And to this day, man, <laughs> I said that recently. I told, I told someone else that. I was like, dude, you have to be stubborn against depression because depression is stubborn against you. And Taylor was in the room. And he's like, whoa! He's like, dude! <laughs> I'm like, I remember, man. That was a stamp on my heart when you said that. I will never forget that word. And it's, <laughs> I got it down. I live with him. Whoa! No. <laughs> I love him. I love you, Taylor. Thank you for this. I miss you. <laughs> Seriously, he told me that. Taylor's given me, oh, man. Without Taylor, I don't know where I'd be. He has said so many things in my life that I'll never forget, and he has helped me through so much. I love you, Taylor. <laughs> so you have to be stubborn against it, and you can't give up until you win. You have to keep fighting. There'll be days when you don't feel like fighting anymore, when you're tired of speaking the same promises, when you're tired of, of doing all that, when you're, when you're tired of this. But you have to keep going. And if you keep going, you will get victory. You will experience your breakthrough. The good news is that Jesus promised to give us rest he promises to give you rest to your soul on the way and as you, as you go along and as you fight. The good news is that if you keep fighting, you will win because Christ Almighty who lives in you is greater than the giant who lives in the world. That's 1 John 4, 4. He who lives in you is stronger than he who lives in the world. He will always be stronger in you. God has promised us the victory. He will refresh you and give you peace along the way, but your job is to keep in the, in the fight, is to stay in the ring until that thing falls. And I'm telling you, along the way, you will have joy. I'm not saying it's going to be a bleak and, and miserable road the whole time. You will have amazing times. You will have amazing times on the road. But if you keep fighting, you will get breakthrough. You will overcome. I went against all odds when I fought depression and weaned off antidepressants. I went against my family's genes. I swam against nature's current that was against me, so to speak. When all science and doctors told me that I would always have it, God told me to get off the antidepressants, and God told me I would knock this giant down. God promised. And because I continued to fight, because I stayed the course, because I continued pursuing God, and I counted it worthy, 
I counted it worthy to, to suffer for Christ's sake, to suffer in this so that I could attain exactly what God has for me, the calling that he has for my life, because I continued on the course and stayed faithful, and I continued to fight with him. I made it. I made it, and you can too. And we see people in the Bible that have made it by doing the same thing. I fought the giant with God, and I use these weapons to take, them down, to take down the giant that took down my great uncle. And honestly, it, it infuriates me to hear. I was just talking this morning uh, with a close friend, and he's going through rough stuff, and he's, he's, he's battling depression. And it infuriates me like it's so unjust. It just it kills me, and it makes me so mad to see when people are struggling from this, when people are still living under the up and down and the this and that, left and right, and the craziness and the, miser- the misery and the sorrow and all this stuff coming from mental illness and depression. When you don't have to live in that. You don't have to be subject to that. <laughs> Man, with God, you can slay any giant. With God, you can slay any giant. And I just got to tell you guys, God's primary, he's, his primary focus is to make you more like Jesus. How many of you know that? That his primary goal is to make you more Christ-like. He's going to complete the work until the day of Christ. The Bible talks about maturing us, perfecting us until we reach the stature or the measure of Christ. We're constantly being made into his image. And just from my experience with God, He's the, most, he's the most joyful, the most lighthearted, the most kind and giggly, the most giddy, the most gentle. He's the best friend you could ever meet, you could ever want. He's the most loving, kind, happy, laughing, goofy, silly person you'll ever meet. If you don't know God like that, he's inviting you. He's inviting you for you to know him like that. He's the desire of all nations. He's the desire of our hearts. He's the desire of our souls. And because he is like that, he's that kind and loving and and amazing, he's making you like him. He's making you joyful. He's making you happy. He's making you laugh. He wants to see you smile. He wants to see you filled with hope, you filled with joy. His heart has always been to see you rejoice and to see you break free. And although there is a fight that you're going through right now, it's so worth it. It is so worth it. I promise you, stick to this course and you will never regret it. You will never regret it. It is so worth it. It is so glorious. It is the perfect, it's the, it's the exact reason uh, that God created you for, this life that he has for you and you overcoming all the strongholds, depression being one of them, you overcoming all this stuff to reach that life. Stay with it. It's so worth it. So I just want to pray for you guys. God, I just thank you right now. I just thank you right now, Lord, for for what you're doing, God, and what you're doing, what you did in my life, God, what you're doing Uh, just here, God, in the lives of everyone listening, God, and the same victory that you gave me, God, I thank you 
that is available to them, God. I thank you that you are making them more like you, God. I thank you that you're strengthening them. I thank you for the joy. I thank you that you bring them, uh, you bring them to beauty, Lord. You bring beauty for ashes and joy for mourning and dancing for weeping. God, and I pray that you would do that. God, you would remind them of your faithfulness, God. You would continue encouraging them and, and woo them by your love, Lord, to continue seeking you in prayer, to continue seeking you in your word, God. I pray right now, and I just break off every spirit, every attack, every demonic attack coming against them, depressing them, anything in their life, God. I just thank you that you give us the power and the tools to overcome. You give us the tools to overcome depression, Lord. I thank you so much for it. I just pray for that freedom and that breakthrough in all our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsandmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.